Welcome, and thanks for tuning in to the Restoration Foursquare Church Audio Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Stay tuned for today's sermon. Enjoy, and God bless. He also served as the Director of Urban and Multicultural Ministry, and he serves as the Director for, global, for the Global Armor Foursquare Disaster Relief. He's been involved in world missions since 1988, so missions is his life. When he spent a season in Japan, followed by a number of years in central Mexico. Ted has served as a senior pastor and a region a leader, a regional leader of Hispanic churches in Colorado. He holds a master's, uh, master of arts in global leadership and a doctorate of intercultural studies from Fuller Theological Seminary. He was raised in Seattle, and Ted came to know Christ as a teenager. He and his wife, uh, fellow missionary Don, have three children, and they're based in Longmont, Colorado. Would you please welcome my dear friend, Ted Vail. Good morning. Wow. This so good to be here, and that was such fabulous worship and then ministry, wasn't it? I'm already full, so this was so, so good. So good to be with you. I'm here for a couple reasons. I'm here because God loves you. That he has a destiny, a purpose, and a design for you. You live in a day when that's getting challenged. If you go to the university campus, somebody's going to tell you that facts are above all things and that your faith is relativized. In other words, well, that's good because you believe that, but that's for you. But there's, they would say there's something bigger, and that's the facts. Can I tell you that that's actually not true? Here's what's true. is above, and facts are our friends. Science is good. But above it all is a loving God that has a purpose, that has a design and a destiny for you. God loves you. I'm also here because God loves everyone all around the world. And I'm here because I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you for your partnership in the gospel. If you're visiting today, you might not know this, but this church has what we call a disproportionate footprint in the community and around the world. Part of my job and the fun of what I get to do is I get to see that. I get to see how your involvement, your prayers, your giving, your going, how it affects other nations and other people. So I want to say thank you. And finally, I want to say thank you for sharing your pastor. So once again, I don't know if you know this, but Pastor Huey and Ruth, they are very involved in in circles outside of this local circle. Did you know that? You've given them as a gift, and he is a gift, because a lot of other people are mentored, people are well-led and well-fed because of your generosity in sharing your Pastor Huey and Ruth. So thank you so much. Pastor Huey and Ruth, thank you guys for your friendship in Christ, your partnership in the gospel. Relationships are everything, aren't they? Well, as it was mentioned, my adventure was activated when I, be, when I came to Christ as a teenager. 
I'm living proof that you can grow up in America and never hear about God. <laughs> and I finally heard, I received Christ, and my adventure was activated, as, as Pastor Huey mentioned when I went to Japan. Today, I want to talk to you about activating your adventure. As I mentioned, God not only loves you, but he loves everyone. This uh, picture I have here, this, this consumes me. You see, that area that's red there, you can see that's North Africa and all across Asia. There are a lot of church movements there today. But there are many in this zone, the red zone we call it. There are many that not only have not heard the gospel, but they don't have access to the gospel. In other words, they've not been unresponsive. It's that there's still nobody to tell them. Now, this comes as a surprise to people. Christianity is the most widely dispersed and diversely dispersed of any religion in the world. And yet, there are 3.1 billion people in the world that don't even have a chance to respond like you or I would by going to a church because there aren't any. If you like do, to do the uh, Operation Christmas Child boxes, for example, at Christmas time, there are billions of children that will not get a Christmas box because there's no church to give it to them. They are in 6,000 people groups, distinct cultures, cultures or language groups that, again, do not have a church in them, which means somebody's going to have to come in from the outside to get it to them, which means somebody's going to have to be called. Somebody's going to have to be sent. Yes. That's where you come in. Yes. Amen. Yes. With 3.1 billion people, can I also share this? The way that we're doing it is not going to work. We have, to, we, have to change, we have to change the plan. In other words, we can not only rely on trained and licensed pastors and missionaries. Why? Because there's not enough. This is a season where we're going to say that the whole church has to take the whole gospel to the whole world. I grew up in the city, but then um, as a teenager, I moved to a farming community and I understood something about farming. During harvest time, everybody has work. There's zero unemployment when it's harvest time. Why? Because there's a lot to get done. Could I suggest to you that you live in a time of harvest? That your normal plans and agenda, they would have been good, but the Lord of the harvest is calling you to say, I need you on the team. Now this wonderful world, you're a part of a wonderful family called the body of Christ. All around the world. And inside of the body of Christ, there's a family called the Foursquare family. This is our, our church family. Now, every family has genetic traits, right? Yes, yes. Men, yes. If, you're, if your father's bald and your grandfather's bald and your uncle is bald, guess what? Enjoy it while you have it, right? But that's just a matter of genetics. You can't alter that. Can I suggest to you that the family that you're a part of has genetics also? Yes. And our genetics are really wonderful genetics. They're genetics that God likes to use our family to kick down walls and to cross barriers and borders with the gospel to make sure that nobody gets left out, that everybody has a chance. That family now is in 150 nations, in over 100,000 churches. We've really grown over the years. Part of that is because the gospel that we bring is a gospel of empowerment. 
In other words, they need to be able to lead their own church there. We don't have to control everything from America. So when we hand it over to them, they take it where we never could. So we have a global family of churches that are also reaching the red zone. And we continue in mission to reach towards the red zone, but also helping all the other nations and partnering with them. But not just helping them there, but saying, let's all go on mission together and make sure nobody gets left out. But something else is happening in, in this wonderful day that we live in. Our blue country there. And that is that not only are we sending people out, but God in his great love is sending people to us. Now, some of them and statistically about half of the people in this great global migration. And it's because of things that you read about in Matthew 24. It could be wars and rumors of wars. It could be famine. It could be upheaval. It could be looking for a better life. Many times it's against people's will. They're going as refugees. But the point is, they're moving. About half of them would move as identifying as followers of Christ, and half would, would not. So it's interesting because half, it's like they're going to different countries to kind of help us to bring in the nets, to help us to reach people, and even people from their nation. The other half, they're coming because, if I could say it this way, God loves them so much And where they were at in what we call the ends of the earth, they were not hearing. They were not experiencing the love of Jesus. And God loved them so much. You know what he did? He said, I'm going to move them to your neighborhood. I'm going to move them to Madison. I'm going to move them to Huntsville. Because I know that you're hospitable. I know that you won't close your drapes when the new neighbors move in. But you'll open them. You'll open your hearts. Today's message is not about the things that your pastor should be doing. Today's message is about what your pastor can't do. Your pastor can't be on mission with God on your behalf. It's your mission. And so we're going to talk about what your mission is. Think of all the people he's bringing here for different reasons. Did you know that statistically when people are in transition, that's when they're the most open? Did you know that? Imagine that that's all right here. Yes. Do you know the most frequent command in the, in the Old Testament, the most frequent command is to worship and love the one true God. Yes. But you know what the second most frequent command is? It's to welcome the stranger. Yes. Yes. I want to yes. think about it. I want to connect a couple dots. I'm going off script a little bit. Is that, is that all right if I go off script? Yeah. Take a little of the polish off? All right. I'm just going to go off script because I heard the word angels come up a lot today. Yes, yes, yes. Let's, do, let's just connect some things. Second most frequent command in the Old Testament, welcome a stranger. Jesus in Matthew chapter 25, he says, I was a stranger and you invited me in. In other words, I wasn't one of your people. I was one of those people. And you know how we are in America about those people, right? That's because the enemy is always trying to drive a wedge between people. And guess where people come together? They come together in the body of Christ. That's where you see people that from the outside, they wait, wait a minute. You're hanging out with that person. There must be a God. And he says, I was a stranger. And while everybody else shut me out, you let me in. But now let me just connect one more here. Hebrews 13. 
It says, don't forget, don't forget to invite the stranger. Welcome the stranger. For in so doing, some have entertained angels unaware. Angels aren't just out there someplace, but you're thinking, I would like to meet one. If you want to meet one, guess what you got to do? You got to invite a stranger. You know, you can pray and that'll work probably. But if you, that's your promise in the Bible is if you start, if you start being kind and reaching out to strangers, that's when you get to meet the angels. Can I also tell you that you don't always know it's happening when you're doing it and it never happens before you do it. You're not thinking, you look like an angel. I think it never happens that way. Right? Come on, come on. There is so much, there is so much power and ability in, right here in this room because you have the ability to change the world. Now, this doesn't mean your pastor's job is not important. It actually means it's more important. It's just that he can't go to your school. He can't go to your workplace. He can't go to your circle of friends and relationships. He can't go. I mean, he can go to your neighborhood, but your neighbors don't know him. But they do see you every day. He can bake some cookies and bring them across the street, but it'll go much better if you do it. So what's his job then? His job is in the Bible. It says his job is to equip you so that you get to go have all the fun. You're the one that gets to live the adventure of reaching out to people that are different than you because God loves them so much, red zone, that he's bringing them to you. Now, we're going to keep doing missions all throughout the world. That's part of my job is, as the missions director, is we want to keep sending missionaries to the uttermost parts of the earth. But here's what the beauty of today is, is God sending the uttermost parts also to here. I would just hate to drop the ball on that one. Wow. Amen. Wow. Are we all right? We're great, man. There are a lot of causes competing for your affection these days, aren't there? Yes. A lot of causes going out. But uh, my friend Paul Greer, who's going over to Five Points right now, Paul said this in the workshop yesterday. And, and um, since he's not here, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it and borrow it from him. But he said there's so many causes but don't you think that there's an eternal cause that's above all of the other causes? Yes, yes. And I thought, yes, please continue to be generous and help in different causes. They're, they're important ones. But somebody's eternity, that's the ultimate cause. Wow. Let's uh, look at a couple of verses. Uh, I want to look at, um, this is Luke chapter 24. And... Uh, Love this. So there's what's called the Great Commission. In other words, the sending. And somehow, again, in Western culture, that idea of being sent and commissioned somehow got relegated only to professional ministry. And we have to be able to deconstruct that if we're going to see what God has. In other words, we got to all be on mission together. Or this won't work. And I think for some, that's a very huge paradigm shift. He says, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Isn't that a great prayer to pray every day? <laughs> and, then, and then Jesus says, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer 
on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. And by the way, nations there is not geopolitical nations. The word nations is actually ethne, where we get the word ethnic from. In other words, all ethnicities, or as he said to Abraham, all the families of the earth. You know, it's a crazy thought even in our own nation as many other nations move here. Did you know that there are, uh, that with Native Americans, Native Americans is not one people group. Native Americans have 500 different cultures and distinct people groups that live within our borders. 500 recognized people groups living on 300 reservations and in our cities throughout the land. Well, that is happening throughout the world and throughout the nations. And God's saying, I don't want anybody getting left out. Everybody should have a chance. Amen. It's interesting. I like this passage in Luke because it says that Christ should suffer. He should die. Yep. Then he'd raise from the dead. But then it doesn't say, so there it is. And you know, and then later we deduce that we're supposed to obey and get, get this out to everybody. But it's like, that's point one, point two, and then point three is... That repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The good news that everybody, to be able to say to them, hey, you are forgiven. That's right. God's not holding anything against you. No matter what you've done. You ever heard somebody say, oh, if they knew what I'd done, they they wouldn't let me darken the door of the church. You ever heard somebody say that? And you want to say, no, you'd probably be very welcome here. Well, this turns to uh, right the very next chapter that, uh, that Luke writes is a famous, it's Acts 1.8. I love this because he says, you're going to receive power. Now, but again, let me just uh, don't be pastor obvious for a second with you. Who is you? Is it the pastor? Yes. <laughs> but it's all of us. Right. We all have the commission, but we all get the power. And the power is not to witness because that's like something that you go do. The power is to be a witness. In other words, that's how you live. People don't just need to hear the word of God. They need to see the word of God. And again, they're going to see it through you. And so he says, "You'll, you'll receive power to be my witnesses. And then he says in Jerusalem or locally around where you're at right now, Judea, kind of like your state or your county. Samaria and the utter end of the earth. Now, Samaria is something we need to talk about for a minute. Because who's Samaria? So Samaria, if you look back all through the scriptures, but especially in the New Testament, there's always racial tension between Jews and Samaritans. Jews made it clear. The woman at the well in John chapter 4, she tells us this. She says, wait a minute, you're Jewish. We hear that you Jews say that you're supposed to worship God in Jerusalem, and we say you do it on this mountain. There was so much animosity that Jews would walk around Samaria, right? And you know what Jesus does? I love this. Anytime there's any kind of ethnic tension like that, Jesus goes right in the middle of it. And he says he's going to bring it together. Ephesians 2 says he's our peace that breaks down the wall. The difference between a peacekeeper and a peacemaker. A peacekeeper, right? Peacekeeper says, all right, you guys stay over there and you stay over there. And now we have peace. But guess what a peacemaker does? You guys over there, bring it on in here. You over there, bring it on in here. 
and we're going to make peace. Yes. James actually says that true wisdom makes peace. Samaria. Jesus goes after this. If I could say it this way, people who are geographically near but culturally distant. There's Samaria all around us today, isn't there? And it's not only ethnic. It could be cultures and our subcultures and biker cultures and skater culture. And we create, we create cultures every day, it seems like. And what God wants you to do <clears throat> is he wants you to have the skills to be able to cross over any border, any boundary somebody throws out there, any new culture that they want to put out there, right. he'll give you the grace to cross that culture. Yes. Matter of fact, famous verse where Jesus says, now you, you guys say four months and then the harvest. But I want to tell you, lift up your eyes. You're looking low. That's right. Lift up your eyes. The harvest is ready right now. Now, what's interesting is, is, is Jesus says that in John chapter 4. And geographically speaking, Jesus was in Samaria when he said it. Yes. <clears throat> See, he's going after it again. He's going after any division. <clears throat> His disciples could have said, and they did. They came back. They brought some food. They were hungry. So, so they went out and got some snacks. Yeah. They come back. And here's Jesus. And he's talking to the woman. Remember the woman at the well? Yeah. <clears throat> he's talking to her. They can't believe this. This is a cultural violation. Once again, Jesus breaking down walls. Jesus should be talking to that woman. Don't you know who she is? And she's a Samaritan. And she's alone here. And then, why are we even in Samaria in the first place, Jesus? We usually go around this place. And that's where Jesus right there says, you guys are missing it. The harvest is ready right here. Can I say it this way? The harvest is ripe on the other side of the tracks, no matter which side of the tracks you're on. (laughs) He's calling you to cross the tracks. He's crossing you to cross cultures. And you know, you get a, here's what I've seen in my life, is you get a unique grace on your life. You want to see the power of God. If you want to experience the touch of Jesus on your life, cross, cross over and go reach out to somebody who's totally different than you, and you get to see it happen. <clears throat> Matter of fact, famous verse about the Lord of the harvest. Jesus is <clears throat> going throughout all the cities and villages in Matthew chapter 9. Imagine this. He's teaching in the synagogue, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and he's healing diseases and sicknesses and affliction. But then he looks out and he sees the crowd. You see, at that time, Jesus, he's in a body. He can only get to so many people. So, I mean, on a good day, he might get to a couple hundred. But he sees tens of thousands. And of course, in his, I'm sure in his heart, he sees the millions, the multitudes. And it says he's moved with compassion because they are like sheep, harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. If you're a good shepherd, that is unacceptable to you. If you're a good shepherd, then then no sheep should be harassed or helpless. And so he turns to his disciples and says, the harvest is so great. The labors are so few. Pray. Can I tell you, that's, that's going to be one of our big action items. Um, is Point number one is, is pray. Yeah. Now, pray is something that we all know we're supposed to do. Yeah. But this gives you a little bit more, if I could say, a little bit more focus on, okay, I'll pray, but what do I pray for? Yeah. You can yeah. always pray for workers. Yeah. 
<clears throat> or the word laborer. Anybody ever been a laborer before? Do you know what a construction laborer is? A farm laborer? What it means is that your hands will get dirty and calloused. <laughs> Laborers. <clears throat> and this is what I love about this. I just want to share this because he's praying for laborers. Every time I see a problem, every time I see something that disturbs my spirit or my heart, I'm now challenged to say, Lord, I'm just praying for laborers. Lord, call somebody. I can't do all this stuff, but Lord, you know, you call somebody. I've discovered that I, I should not be a motivational speaker. I should not be a recruiter for missions. Companies do that kind of stuff. But you know what? If I'm a recruiter and I recruit you to missions, you'll quit by Monday. You need God to work in here on this one, don't you think? So he calls laborers. I think it's kind of funny because some of the people that I'm around sometimes, I think people would rather that God was looking for superintendents and foremen and supervisors. But he's looking for laborers. Everyday people that will roll up their sleeves and go out and meet their neighbor. Just reach out to somebody somehow. Take a risk. You're thinking, well, what if they say this or what if they see this? And I always say, well, nothing ventured, nothing gained. You know, you never know until you just reach out there with a smile and you try this. And better yet, let's just talk about reaching out maybe to our Hispanic brothers and sisters. You know what? You've got people here in this church that would love to help you. To give you some tips on how to reach out to those uh, to Hispanic people. Yes. Astro Nesimo está aquí. Que puede ser una guía para guiar la gente aquí como alcanzar el pueblo hispano. Amen? Yes. Se puede? He said yes, he's ready to help you. Amen. <laughs> Make him busy. But, but really, that's, isn't that a great honest question to go, my heart says, yes, I want to, but I don't want to be disrespectful or foolish. I, I don't want to offend. So would you help me understand? Imagine if we started doing that with everybody around, just saying, just asking the questions and being learners and being laborers. So I'll tell you my laborer story. Uh, as a young missionary, I, I didn't know that churches supported missionaries since I went and got a job working on a construction site. I learned construction, and as a young laborer, I had no skills at all. And so when I, you know, I saw the guys on the job site, and they got a big tool belt with all these great tools on them. And I got a tool belt, and I only got a little tape measure, and then what we call the daddy's little helper hammer, like the kind that's just like for the little nails in the wall. That's all they gave me. They didn't want me getting hurt. But you know, uh, I would tell you, one of the most profound messages of my life, lessons I learned from the Lord, is I'm out there and I'm just I'm scrapping, the, scrapping lumber and picking up things. And then the boss one day, he says, hey, I need you to go cut those two by fours over there. Now, and right away in my mind, I'm thinking, <laughs> right away I'm thinking, how am I going to do this? But before I even got that far, he said, here it is, the most profound thing. He said, you can use my saw. So here's my lesson. If the boss asks you to do something, he will make sure that you have the tools that you need to do what he's asked you to do. Is that okay? You ever felt like God's asking you to do something? You're like, Lord, that's way over my head. And you know what the Lord would say to that is? You got it. <laughs> it is way over your head. That way, when something awesome happens, they won't think it's you. They will go, there must be a God. If Ted Vale's living a holy life, there must be a God. 
God will make sure you got the tools. He is the Lord of the harvest. Could I just uh, give you a quick illustration on this? Imagine if you were. Now, Lord translates well in Spanish. In English, it's kind of only referring to God. But Lord here means the boss. So if you were the boss of the harvest, and this was your crew, you're running a crew, and this is your crew, you're looking out there, and you're saying, looks like they've got it. Looks like they're doing a good job. Looks like they've got everything bundled up well, and it's going well. But you also know that you're the boss, and you're responsible to get that field taken care of. And there's no workers in that field. So if you're the boss, if you're running the crew, what are you going to do? Are you going to say, does anybody feel called to go to that field? I'm the boss. Bosses don't do that. They boss you, right? So the boss is going to say, we have to move some people to another location. Can I tell you, this is what's happening in the world right now, is there are fields that are ripe and there's nobody there. Somebody's going to have to go. My prayer today is that the Lord of the harvest will call each of us to what our job is in getting to that. Some of you in your heart right now are going, "Uh uh-oh, I I feel something. I feel like I'm supposed to go. And others might feel like, no, I'm feeling like God's bringing them here, and I just need to more effectively reach out to those that are here. Maybe you're a real estate agent. You know who's moving into town. Maybe you're working, uh, working for the, the local government here. You know what services are available. Maybe you're a student. You know who's there. All of us working together, and we could effectively reach people that come here from the far reaches of the world. And some of us, though, we're going to be, we're going to go. Short term, one-way ticket, however he calls you to go. See, this is a big difference. It's fun to get in front of a church and go, all right, everybody, who's the light of the world? Let's go ahead and do it. All right, who's the light of the world? Yeah, you got mixed answers because there's two different places. In John, it says, Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. But we also have Matthew being quoted where Jesus says in Matthew 5, you're the light of the world. Is this a confusion? No, it's a both and. In other words, the light, and he, he lights us, but then he sends us out into our world yeah. to be light. Yeah. You ever heard somebody say, oh, pastor, where I'm at is so dark. Well, listen, if we're just talking light bulb discussions here, imagine a light bulb, oh, it's so dark where I'm at. That's right. You'd be like, well, that's why you're there. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. And make a couple more lights, and then it's brighter. But the idea is that God put you in your life, in your path for a reason, yeah. because you're to bring light there. If we start thinking that way, it puts us all on mission together. Then you come back here saying, okay, I need to learn a lot. <laughs> they had questions that I did not have answers to. Yes. But now you've activated your, your adventure. I'll just take a few more minutes before I close. Samaria. In Luke chapter 9. They're walking through Samaria, Jesus and the disciples. And Jesus sends two disciples to a village and says, hey, would you go over and, and see if they would receive us? We need a place, we need a place to, to stop for a while. Go see if they'd take us in. And so the two disciples go over there, and, the, and that village actually rejects them. Yep. Remember, there's tension. And so they rejected those disciples. James and John, they come back over. I don't know how they were walking, but they were definitely rejected. Yeah. Yeah. 
But if you hear what they say next, I think I know that they were walking fast and heavy about this. Because they were like, they rejected us, Jesus. Can we call down fire on them now? (laughs) You ever felt like that? They rejected you, Jesus. So let's just just let it all burn. And Jesus said, he says, Jesus rebuked them. He said, no, 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 we're not doing that anymore. We're not doing that. And then just a few verses later, he tells a famous parable of the good Samaritan. You know that one? Yeah. You see, somebody was trying to trip Jesus up, and he said, and uh, he's a teacher of the law, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, what are the commandments? And and, uh, he says, well, they're to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says, good, good answer. But then it says, the lawyer wanting to justify himself says, but uh, who is my neighbor? See, he's looking for a loophole. You ever find people looking for a loophole? Like, I, was, I get to love everybody that I already like. But everybody else, there's like some exemption clause that I do not have to reach out. I don't have to love enemies or pray for them. And anybody who's rejected me, then I, I get the pass. And Jesus is going to try to throw all of that upside down and say, no, no, neighbor is everybody. So he tells the story. A man goes from Jerusalem to Jericho. He falls amongst thieves. They beat him up and leave him half dead. And then it says a religious leader comes by. Somebody who really should have been able to do something about all of this. He was a priest. And it says he saw him and he went around. And then he says then a Levite or a lay minister, if you will, saw him, walked around. And then he says, but then a Samaritan came. Now, all the Jews that are listening hear the term Samaritan, and they got to be thinking, all right, the bad guy, something bad's going to happen to the Samaritan. And Jesus does it again. He goes right after this and actually is going to make the Samaritan the good guy. Mm. And he says the Samaritan saw him, but he didn't go around. He went in. Jesus is teaching us a lot about missions right here. You see, missions means that I'm not waiting for people to come to me, and I'm not waiting for God to come to me. I'm going. I'm stepping out. I'm going right to where people are at. I'm going to go geographically and physically, but I'm also going to go culturally. In other words, I want to learn how to connect with them in their language. See, Jesus was the first missionary in Philippians chapter 2. It says he was with God the Father, and he came to us and became one of us. That's missions 101. It's called incarnational ministry. In other words, it's... uh, It's Psalm 40, Hebrews 10. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but instead you prepared a body for me. So the Samaritan, he looks, goes to him, and it says he was moved with compassion. And you know the story from there. He reaches out to him, bandages up the wounds, sends him to the inn, and actually pays for it. I I liked it because sometimes we get that spiritual idea that compassion won't cost any money. But you know what? It does. It costs. But, but is there a better investment than compassion? No. No. So he goes to him. And I love it because I was just thinking about after the parable, if, if they had media back then, then in the post-parable interview with the, with the Good Samaritan. Could you imagine? All right, we got here the Good Samaritan here, and uh, we got a great story. Good Samaritan, you... you you cross the divide. You reach out to somebody who was different from you. You reach out to one of the enemies. Uh, and then you gave money. And then you, you cared about them. What, explain yourself. What was it? And the good Samaritan would be like, well, I, um, I, I love the Lord my God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. 
and I love my neighbor as myself. And that was my neighbor. Plain and simple post-interview. When you love like God said to love, you're going to find yourself living the adventure, aren't you? You never know where he's going to put you. But imagine if God saw you that way. He's like, hey, I know I can trust you. You go do this. So uh, let me give you a couple of closing, uh, closing points today. We talked about prayer. Unreached people in the red zone, they're unreached for a reason. Even those that come here, and, and you might clearly, you could clearly identify some people that are here that they're from uh, India or from the Middle East. And right away, that can scare you, can't it? Or it sets you back, like, I don't know how to relate to them. But can I say the very first thing that you could do is right there, yeah. is you pray. Why? Because the Holy Spirit knows everything. Yeah. And he lives in you, right? Remember that one. That's in, that's in Romans. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in, in you. That's right. he, he could guide you. He could lead you. He could show you what to say. You're praying for laborers and for workers because you can't get everywhere. Jesus couldn't get everywhere. You can't either. So you pray for workers. And sometimes I think you're the answer to the worker prayer that somebody else prayed. Yeah, that's good. And so you pray. Secondly, you give generously. I want to say thank you for your partnership in the gospel. Thank you for supporting Foursquare Missions. While you support Foursquare Missions, we use those funds and 100% actually go right to the field. No overhead. That's covered differently. It all goes to the field and it's all going to go to workers. Not just Americans, by the way. If somebody from Zimbabwe can get into a country easier than we can, then we want to help that person. We just want to get the gospel there. And so it all goes and it's focused on going to the red zone. But not only this, but just that idea of giving generously with compassion right here locally, whether through your church, but also just personally as you're out reaching out to people. And then finally, it's to go courageously. And it does take courage these days. I I wouldn't want to deceive you that it's all safe out there. I remember one time I was preaching and I did the old, uh, the safest place in the world is in the middle of God's will. It sounded so good when I preached. And then my wife said, I don't think that's true. <laughs> Safest place in the world is the middle of God's will. There's a lot of Bible accounts that would actually dispute that. <laughs> so I have rephrased it. The best place in the world is in the center of God's will. That's where you want to be, right? So you, not just putting money in the offering, it's you putting you in the offering. Some of you have heard this. It's a simple story, but... Uh, Here's what I just want to say this to kind of start by breaking down the walls on go because sometimes that seems so big. But I'm going to tell you where it starts. I was in the Washington, D.C. airport, Dulles, our nation's capital. You'd think Verizon would have a cell signal in there. I found where they didn't. I'm in this hall and it's busy and it's crowded. People are going every which way around there. And I'm and I'm trying to talk on the phone. And so uh, uh, I'm trying to talk, and I can't get through. So I'm doing the hello, you know this one, hello, hello. And I don't know why, but I'm thinking if I bend a little bit, I get better reception. Have you ever done that? Yeah. So I'm doing hello, hello, and I'm right about here. I'm right about here. I'm saying hello, and all of a sudden, I hear somebody, not on the phone, out there go, hello. <laughs> and, I, and I look, and there is a woman. She leaned down, and she's like, Hello. <laughs> 
And then this really gruff looking guy, he's all gruff walking the other one. He's like, hey, <laughs> right? It was such a simple truth, but it changed so much in me that just, you know, sometimes if you just smile first, sometimes if you just reach out first, it's amazing that people aren't as, they're, they're not as cantankerous and ornery as they might think. And it just begins to open the doors. I, I realize we got to go much further than kindness. But can I just say, some Christians can't get there. And this is where we just start by being nice and seeing what doors might open. Well, I want to, I, I just want to close in prayer. I want to thank you again. Uh, I just, uh, I've just remembered I want to put this up here. This, this right here, because of giving. Did you know that because we're giving and going to the unreached, that in the country of Niger, which is a very hard, uh, hard to access Muslim nation in North Africa, which by the way, I, I want to say this, that the first, the first African Americans that came here were brought here as slaves, but the first ones that said, we want to go be missionaries back to Africa, did you know that this was one of the first countries they went to? They had huge success in Burkina Faso in Niger. But then over the years, it fell by the wayside again, tragically. But in this place, there are villages. And because of, the, because of your giving, 100 villages in the last three years now have a church and a gospel presence that never did. What God did with those early missionaries that came from this nation has been built upon and even continues to go. I want to say thank you. Gracious Lord, you're the Lord of the harvest. You send workers wherever you want to send them. And Lord, we're just saying, here am I, send me. Right to my neighborhood or to the far reaches of the world. You're the Lord of the harvest. You're the boss. You're going to give me the tools, wherever, whatever I need. You're going to give those to me to make a difference. I want to thank you for this church, for their generosity and their partnership in the gospel. I want to thank you for those that went ahead of us and went as missionaries. Despite whatever situation they were in, they went and you used them to break through the divides. And now, Lord, thank you for those that are going today and seeing great things happen. Lord, let our adventure with you be activated in the name of Jesus. Amen. And that concludes today's sermon. Thanks again for tuning in to the Restoration Force Word Church audio podcast. We pray that your journey in following Jesus has been encouraged and empowered. If you would like to learn more about Restoration Church, please visit our website by going to r4sq.org. We pray you have a great week. God bless.